The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today? Well, we have a great guest today, and wait till you hear her wonderful accent from New Zealand. Alice Boyce, Ph.D., is the author of this great book that I've been reading called The Anxiety Toolkit, Strategies for Fine-Tuning Your Mind and Moving Past Your Stuck Points. And you know, Lloyd, I just recently had a mediation in which Uh, It was a divorce mediation in which one of the spouses was extremely anxious about everything, and it was causing, obviously, a lot of real challenges. So I am just definitely going to recommend this book because as I've been reading it, I can see how it is filled with these wonderful tools and techniques that can help this person. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Alice Boyce. Uh, She is a Ph.D., and she's been writing. Her writings uh, have been featured in Psychology Today, Good Magazine, Woman's Health, Australia, Lifebacker, Hacker, and Mashable, among others. And her research about relationships was published in the world's premier social psychology journal, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Dr. Boyce's expertise in social, clinical, positive, and relationship psychology. And these are some of the topics that she discusses. And she has been featured in numerous magazines and been interviewed on radio segments. And she's originally, as I said, from New Zealand. You'll hear this great, wonderful uh, accent. And she currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada, so she's going to be coming to us this morning from there. And you could find out more about her book and her at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see her picture, her bio, and see a uh, JPEG of her book. And also at her own website, which is linked to ours at theanxietytoolkit.com. So thank you so much, Alice, for joining us from Las Vegas. Hello. So, you know, I I wanted to ask you, how is it that you chose to write about anxiety? You have a, a, a wide background in a lot of uh, social and psycho- psychological issues. Why is it that you chose anxiety? It's, it's, a, it's a, it was a really common topic um, that 
people would come to see me for in my practice and I got started with my writing um, because I started a blog way back in, in 2008. Um, so when I started my practice, I started a blog as a way of, of advertising my practice. Um, and I found that the anxiety articles were some of the most popular articles and that, that continued. So the so that fed into my, my practice and then I ended up writing for, uh, blogging for Psychology Today as well. Um, and I wrote articles on a on a bunch of different topics over there. Um, but anxiety, yeah, the anxiety articles were, were, were extremely popular, um, and I was getting a lot of uh, a lot of positive feedback on those. So my book came out of the blog. I ended up getting uh, contacted by an agent based on the based on the blog, um, and it w- was kind of a logical a logical step. Uh, and also, it's just a really common. It's a really common problem. It affects so so many people um, that it's a good uh, it's a good broad topic. It, it is. It's a great topic. I think in our society, when we're so overwhelmed with the you know information bombarding us from everywhere, trying to get things done, trying to raise families, trying to deal with all of the terrorism in this world and all that, I think that that. There is a tendency to be anxious. You know, not everybody has an anxiety disorder, but I think all of us in our lives have have felt anxiety depending on the circumstances in their lives. There's, you know, more stressful times than others. And obviously we, you know, in the Western world especially, uh, we are living under so much stress. And actually everywhere in the world, I take that back. So, um, so... You know, well, let's talk about what are the components of anxiety. I know you have that in your book, which, by the way, I've been just reading it, and I know it's just coming out actually tomorrow, full publication. So I had a pre-publication um, a way to look at it, and so I've been enjoying it. So let's talk about some of the components of anxiety for people to kind of see, gee, is this something that relates to me? Well, firstly, thank you for saying that. It's really um, exciting for me that you're enjoying it. Um, yeah, so there are four components to to anxiety. One is the feelings component, so you know, feeling nervous, apprehensive, worried. Um, one is the thoughts component, um, and you know, that's you know, for example, thinking about something over and over, or having intrusive thoughts, or those those types of things. Um, the other components are the physical components, so um, having someone might have trouble sleeping or might um, you know notice anxiety in their voice or have butterflies in their stomach, those kinds of things. Um, and then there's a the behavioral component, so that's, uh, for example, someone might avoid situations that they feel that, that trigger anxiety for them. So there's four components. Yes, and I think... All of us can have those, um, you know, at certain times. I know. I, I remember years ago when I studied for the bar, I was very anxious. <laughs> and yeah. any time I had to take a really big test or something that I was, you know, was coming up that was, you know, very important to me, then, you know, like you would, you know, it's easy to feel anxious. I, you know, in my old age, I've developed some. Um, some skills of just you know meditating and praying and getting some 
spiritual mind treatments that that help me when the anxiety is there. I still get anxious. I just got off a plane uh, over the weekend and you know when it starts getting really bumpy and and the it's <laughs> I get anxious and there too is this plane going to make it? You know. So I think yeah. all of us can relate to that. So yeah. when <laughs> is, is is there ever a time that anxiety um it gets to the point where it, it you know, uh, it takes over your life? Yeah, certainly for people with anxiety disorders, um, that's kind of the definition of things, is when you know, things get classified as a disorder, when a, pers- when a person starts to be impaired by their anxiety problems. And anxiety does that, have that tendency to be a bit of a spiral. So fundamentally, you know, every emotion that we've evolved whether it's you know, anger or, or sadness or anxiety, we've evolved that emotion because it's, because it's purposeful, because it's helpful in some context, and anxiety's you know, that way too. Um, but especially when people get into avoidance coping, so especially when people start to... The more people avoid the things that, um, that they're anxious about, the more anxiety those situations trigger... trigger. And then that, the anxiety tends to kind of spread to different kinds of situations. Like the classic example is somebody who um, might avoid a situation because they fear it's going to trigger a panic attack for them. Um, right. And then, then that person might usually find that more and more situations start to feel scary for them and they start to avoid more and more, more things. So anxiety really has a tendency to spread out if you if you use avoidance coping to deal with them. Right, right. So it, it really debilitates your life. I mean, if, if you feel anxious going out, I mean, you can get all these other, like, uh, agoraphobic stuff happens as well, right? If you're too anxious, you start to get agoraphobia. You don't want to go out of the house, or you don't want to go outside, or, yeah. So it you got to handle it before it gets to that level, right? Yeah. Yeah, and relationship issues is another big area where um, anxiety and avoidance causes problems, and that's uh, probably the more common one. So where someone will feel anxious about something, you know, for example, something that their partner wants them to do, and so they will drag their, you know, drag their heels in doing it, and then their partner starts to get annoyed with them. And so that anxiety ends up, and, and both people end up kind of digging in, and maybe the person can't explain um, how anxious that they they are about the thing that they don't want to do, um, and things get um, you know things can really spiral that way. So that's a kind of non-clinical example, um, whereas you know agoraphobia is obviously a clinical example. Right, 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 right. But yeah, I see that with couples sometimes that. Um, one will get anxious about something and then they won't do it or it, it just seems to escalate. So, you know, you're uh, one of the things that I thought was great and I started taking your little quizzes. Your book includes a little quiz at the beginning of each chapter and then you say, well, if you answered A, this or you answered B or you answered C, this you kind of give us the feedback about how we answered. So, um uh, tell us a little bit more about those and why you decided to put those in the book. Yep. So uh, one of the things that uh, I've done for magazines before is write quizzes, and one of, writing quizzes is 
one of the funnest things in the world to do. I love it. Um, and people res- really respond to them. So what I've done is I've... Um, so, so not everybody will want to read the book cover to cover. Um, so, so people can use it kind of like a reference book where they can go to the, the chapters that seem the most relevant to them and they can take the quiz that's at the beginning of that chapter. And there's a couple of different reasons for the quizzes. The quizzes um, let people know sort of where they're at and what the chapter is designed to help them with. So the A answers are... um, So each question is multi-choice, A, B, C. The A answers are kind of where you want to be heading toward um, how someone that was a really calm person would answer. Um, the B answers are in, sort of in the middle, and the C answers are how someone who is really struggling with anxiety um, would answer. So the person can see where they're at. They can also see kind of where they're trying to head and where the chapter's going to help them head. Um, and also they can, um, you know, use their answers as something that they can, can look back on at a later point in time and see if they've, um, and see how, how successful they're being and maybe if there are still some areas where their answers are languishing down in that sort of BC range where they want to, um, where they can still make some improvements. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I, you know, so far as I'm reading it, I'm pretty healthy. <laughs> but I think, yeah. you know, I'm not always perfect, but, you know, it. I've learned some coping mechanisms through the years that have been helpful to me. When I get anxious, I just really do a lot of deep breathing, and I just... Kind of, you know, breathe into it and say, you know, there's a there's a an acronym fear, uh, F E A R, false expectation appearing real. So I just tell yeah. myself, um, this is fear. <laughs> it's not a reality. It hasn't happened yet. So just you know, kind of breathe into this, and it's okay, you know. But we, I have to do some self talk to myself because. There are times when things can be anxious. I, I think that's, um, like you said, I think that uh, Mother Nature gave us anxiety so we would, you know, prepare ourselves for something that could be dangerous, right? Yeah, so, and a big sort of point of the book is that it's not about getting rid of anxiety, that getting rid of anxiety isn't the goal. So, yes, anxiety can become a problem when it spreads out. Right. But being an anxious person by nature and having anxiety be a frequent experience in your life doesn't have to be a hugely traumatic, upsetting thing. So I'm still a really anxious person. I'm temperamentally anxious. I've been anxious since I, you know, popped out of the <laughs> popped out of the womb. Like I'm just a, I was a really anxious kid. I'm a, and I'm still an anx- anxious, temperamentally anxious person. But the difference between um, how I am now and how I am, how I was, you know, growing up, is that anxiety doesn't cause me problems anymore. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't really just stress me. You know, I have times where I'll notice that I'm ruminating about something, or when something will kind of get stuck and play in my mind. But it doesn't. It doesn't bother me the way that it used to um, because I feel calm about about dealing with it. So. I think it's a, it's a lot more about learning to feel comfortable with feeling anxious rather than um, trying to get rid of anxiety. Right, accepting it. You know, I know there's the difference between, you know, I'm one of those people, like when you had one of the tests, like I'm one of those people that 
always looks at, uh, and I think this is part of being a lawyer, is looking the worst that can happen and then preparing for it just in case, you know? So I uh, always, like when I'm talking to somebody on the phone, whether it's, you know, uh, Verizon or whomever, I get the person's name, I get their their number or their last name, you know, their employee number. I make sure of everything they're saying. I repeat back, you know. (laughs) I mean, that's just kind of like I kind of over-prepare and... um, and I, I have to think about with my clients, let's talk about the worst thing that can happen and prepare for it so that if it does happen, you're not going to end up in a lawsuit. So part of that is my training, but the other part of it is probably my personality is I, I want to have plans. Like if I go on a vacation, some people will go on a vacation and they go, oh, let's just end up where we end up. Well, no, not me. I have to know where where my hotels are going to be. I have to double check everything. And then I can go and have a good time and relax. But, um, but, you know, then there's people at the other end of the spectrum who don't plan anything and they don't, you know, they just kind of let things go kind of laissez-faire. And then, you know, later on, they have the anxiety dealing with maybe a mess. So, <laughs> yeah, and so what often happens that for anxious people is, um, you know, especially if you're, you know, for example, you're a temperamentally anxious person, and maybe you've got a more um, relaxed and positive parent, and that parent might be trying to be helpful and saying, you know, you know, don't worry about that um, all the time. So, pe- so people kind of learn as as kids, that there's something wrong with um, with having those uh, fears about the worst things that could could happen, um, and can and you know often are always told you know, to, to go with the flow more and to worry less. And that's what, you know if you've got this sort of personality where thinking about the worst that could happen actually is what makes you feel calm. Um, then it's really frustrating to um, to always be told just go with the flow more. Yeah, yeah, because it's it it's, it goes against your grain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, what is avoidance coping, and why is it so critical to really understand? Yeah. So, there are, avoidance coping is the like the key thread that underlies. All of the kind of what we call the common cold psychological problems, so depression, um, uh, eating disorders, anxiety disorders, the really common ones. Um, avoidance coping is a feature of all of those. So, you know, someone with an, with an eating disorder will start out avoiding certain foods that make them um, feel anxious about about gaining weight, and then what happens is that they they end up avoiding more and more food. So they might start out avoiding putting butter on their toast. They might only um, use low-fat spread or no spread at all. And then all of a sudden they can't bake. And put, they can't put any butter on baking, so they bake with just applesauce. Um, and they get more... So the more people avoid anything, the more that spreads out. And that applies in... Um, that applies in anxiety disorders, and it's a it's a feature of all of the common um, mental health problems. And that's it's it's really central to what keeps those problems problems going and causes them to snowball for people. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it's something that also causes people a lot of problems in their just 
but they don't have disorders in their, in, in their lives. So it's something that, um, that like, um, you know, if one member of a couple needs to talk to their parents about something, perhaps like broach topic with the in-laws and, and won't do it because they just feel too anxious to do it, or needs to ask their boss for time off to go on a family vacation, or, um, you know, a boss at work who deals with work things in an avoidant way, or someone that doesn't tell their best friend that they can't their bridesmaid at their wedding because they don't have the funds to fly to Hawaii for it. Or, you know, what happens is that those that the more people cope in those kinds of ways, the, the less confident they feel as a person. And over time, like, the more you avoid, the, the um, your skills get affected as well. So that people that avoid anything to do with the computer end up being more and more kind of out of touch and finding it more and more difficult to do a bunch of different things right it's kind of a, a, a fear it becomes a total fear so so i remember years ago reading the book feel the fear and do it anyway so mm-hmm. so what do you do with people like that um when they have gotten to the point where they avoid things or avoid going out in the sun or what you know um uh, avoid going to parties or uh you know, avoid going to their in-laws' house or whatever it is. So, what uh, what do you do with that? Yeah, so you kind of want to find a piece to um, you, you need to find a little piece to start unraveling. So, you've got to find some area of the person's life where they're motivated to start overcoming their avoidance um, and start and start working with that. Um, so, and it really is it is just to feel the fear and do it anyway. It is figuring out um, what, uh, you know, what the person does feel comfortable enough to try um, and then that person taking those opportunities to try the things that they feel nervous about and then, then everything starts to get easier. So there's like this, this spiral where it gets worse but there's also the same spiral effect that happens where it gets better where when, when someone... Um, when someone starts doing things that they've been avoiding, they start to you know, like it helps unstick all the other all the other kinds of avoidance that they've been doing. So taking like one little step at a time, I would think help. I remember even seeing like uh, I, I don't remember if it was sixty minutes or whatever, but they they took a bunch of people. Um, that had agoraphobia, and they would take them on tiny little outings. And then after they did that, then they take them on another outing. And then just getting to the point where they would repeat until they could get comfortable in one thing and then try another. Now, yeah. you, you talk in your book about a lot of different strategies. And um, how how about your own life? Can you tell us how you use those strategies in your own life? Yeah, I mean, I I use this, this. The strategies that I write about in the book are just uh, kind of like breathing to me at this point. Like it's they're all so automatic. I use them. I use them all the time. Um, so uh, one, you know, one example is just that sort of basic idea of of thinking about um, sort of three possible outcomes when you're going to do something. So you know, you think of the worst outcome you think of the best outcome, you think of the most realistic outcome. So, um, you know, one example I use uh, quite often is, you know, 
someone thinks about uh, choosing a paint colour for their for their walls and they feel nervous because they feel like, well, you know, I'm probably going to screw it up. I'm probably going to, like, get something and put it on the walls and it's going to look horrible. It's going to look too yellow or too grey or just not right. And then I'm going to really beat myself up for having made a... a um, bad choice. <laughs> a quote, yeah, a quote-unquote bad choice. Um, so you know, it's important that the person thinks of that outcome of that outcome, you know, I'm going to could get something and I could put it on there and I could completely hate it, but then also prompt themselves to think, actually, I could be, I could really love it, you know, it could be, I could knock it out of the park first time and and it could be great. Um, the, you know, and then the most realistic outcome is that it's, that it's decent, you know, that it's a, that if it's a shade of white, it's going to be a shade of white and it's, you know, maybe there's another another of the 3,000 shades of white that are available <laughs> that might have been a better shade of white, but it's going to be a decent enough shade of white. So to think of, to always, whenever you're thinking about doing something, um, especially for people who are anxious who think about things for months or years before they take the plunge to do things. Mm. So to always think through, um, you know, those, those three possibilities. And it really that can really help unstick your behaviour. They can they can really help you move from from thinking about something to acting, and that kind of ties in with the avoidance coping as well. Like that's a you know that's one way to get yourself out of that avoidance coping mode. Like um, you know if you don't if there's a conversation you don't want to have, what's the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? What's the most realistic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that one I use um, all the time? You know what I do um, whenever I'm, I guess I use like an affirmative approach. Um, I just say to myself, okay, um, I know that I can do this. And I kind of do the self-talk like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And I just visualize what I want to happen. Like sometimes when I have to go into a a very tense meeting and mediation, because that's what I do for a living, people are very angry. And it's, you know, I get a little anxious about that. So um, before I go into a session, I just uh, visualize everybody smiling and happy. And I just kind of visualize me being calm and serene and peaceful, and I just put this golden shield around me. So that's kind of what I do. I kind of create a reality. And then um, when I go in, I I feel better. And, you know, even if something arises that is really tense, I just get back into that, okay, I'm surrounded by this golden shield. I'm okay. I can do this. That, That works for me. Um, and I just figure that because I'm just going to be going in there with that positive that if I stay conscious and focused and um, if I'm really mindful of what's going on, I can get through it. I can get through it. I just have to talk to myself. <laughs> so I think, you know, whatever works for you or me is good, right, if it works. Yeah, and that's exactly like the the approach that I've sort of taken throughout the book is that there are all these strategies that all um, that that come from there. You know, there are a few different families of psychotherapy that have got some good evidence behind them, but we don't really know. um, You know, there's no there's no one that particularly stands out as being better than the others for the most part. Um, So you never know what's going to work best for them particular person 
and it really is a matter of ex- of, pe- of giving some people exposure to um, to tools and techniques that come from different places, and the person seeing what works best for them. And you know, you often can't predict. Often, often I'll think. I think a particular client will love this tool, and they won't. But they'll love something that maybe doesn't. Maybe that that I've read in a book that actually doesn't work for me, um, but works for them. Um, So it really is a matter of of finding, and and you and you'll only apply what feels like you as well. Like if you've got if you're given tools and they don't feel like they're like using them as an expression of yourself. You yes. won't end up using them in your yeah, day-to-day ha- life. It has to fit with, with who you are. But this is great. So we are just out of time, Alice. So that went quickly, didn't it? <laughs> Very quickly. I know, because we were having fun. So um, I want you guys to consider looking at this wonderful book called The Anxiety Toolkit by Alice Boyce, Ph.D. And it's just going to be out for publication tomorrow, hot off the press. And so, Alice, why don't you just give your website and it's time to go. Yep, theanxietytoolkit.com. Very good. Well, keep in touch and we'll have you back again, okay? Love your accent. Thank you. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.